1: So welcome to you if you're listening on the podcast. I'm Fran, (laughs) and everybody here welcomes you too. So as I uh, learned more about spiritual direction, or care of souls, it was that phrase really that excited me. Care of souls, I thought, phew, what is that? How do you care for a soul? I want to know how to do that. And of course, part of knowing how to do that is learning how to care for my own soul. And so I discovered some lovely things um, about... Myself and the kinds of things that God and I enjoy together, which actually I had spent quite a lot of my life thinking weren't very good things to do because other Christians didn't seem to do them or they didn't seem to happen in church, therefore maybe that wasn't really how you were supposed to um, be. So it's been an exciting opening up of my own uh, spiritual life with God. So I now lead the program that trains spiritual directors in New Zealand. Um, There are two programs. One is an Ignatian program, which um, is based in the spirituality of Ignatius of Loyola, a Spanish mystic who is the father of modern psychology. And the other program is the one I lead, which is led by Spiritual Growth Ministries, and it draws on all the Christian traditions, the good bits and the best bits of all of them, rather than just focusing on one. And so tonight, you get sort of the the full Fran experience, (laughs) and um, I'm hoping that you'll really enjoy it. Tonight is going to require a little bit more of you, because it's not just going to be listening to somebody speaking, which is no disrespect to anybody who speaks, preachers or teachers, um, but that we're really trusting over the next little while that you will uh, use the eyes and ears of your heart, and that you'll notice the things that begin to fall into place for you. And you'll go home with God having dropped something really sweet and good into your life. So, I don't think I need to say much more about that other than God has given us a different centre of intelligence other than our mind. In fact, there are two other centres of intelligence that are useful to us. One is our feelings because feelings aren't floaty things necessarily. They also have a physical correlate. Feelings take place in our body. So you might notice a feeling tonight. So notice what information that might bring you, because feelings are data. And the other centre of intelligence God has given us is this sort of intuitive knowing, the, the eyes and ears of our heart. And so we spend a lot of time using our intellect and our our mind, but we don't have quite so much opportunity to use the ears and eyes of our heart. And that's what we'll be kind of relying on this evening. So, without further ado, I'm going to pass around, because this evening is called The Cup of My Life. And so this is a chance for us to think about and explore what that means for us. So I'd like you just to take one of these shards of broken pottery. Be careful, health and safety, they are pointy and sharp. (laughs) They come from actual things that were broken. So, So just while that's going around, I'm going to open in prayer. So just keep passing it around, that's fine. Loving God, thank you so much for the rich world of language and metaphor, and that we're here tonight because In some way, we were interested in what the cup of our life might mean. And so we invite you now to open the eyes and ears of our hearts that we might notice something maybe that we haven't seen before or find something consoling for the thing that we did know that was there and to have courage and joy in what our cup is right now, tonight. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you've got your little bit of pottery, or it might be a larger bit, depending on which bit you got. And so what I want you to do is just take a moment to look at this little piece of pottery, turning it over in your hands, feel its edges. And I'd like you not to analyse it, but just to look at it with compassion. So just... With real openness, this little fragment that at one point was soil, became a vessel of some kind and now is in your hands. And so just for the next couple of minutes, it will just be quiet. Let that little piece of pottery tell you its story. So use your imagination. You can make up a story if you want, but there might be a little story that begins to emerge that comes from its shape and colour. And what you notice is you gently hold it and you don't have to be clever you can just see what you notice let it speak to you in the first person let it say I am I came from I was it might like to tell you how it feels to be separated from the rest of what it was just open yourself to the whole story just in these last couple of moments and this is a a question just for you as you kind of conclude reflecting on this Whether there is some connection in the story of this shard and your own, and just hold that. It's the first part, maybe, of God meeting with you now. And if that is the case, I just want to remind you of how gently you are holding this broken piece, and how you aren't looking at it with judgment, and you can join the dots from there, I'm sure. You can continue to hold that little shard if you want to, or not, it's just entirely up to you. You may have heard of um, the practice of holy reading or Lectio Divina, which is a way of being with the scripture which just requires listening. So rather than us analysing the text and uh, drawing out the Greek and um, doing inductive studies, we just listen to the passage. Again, with that same sort of openness with which you looked at the piece of pottery. And you listen the bit that kind of grabs your attention, the part you never noticed before, the bit that makes maybe your heart leap, or um, somehow makes a part of your brain go, what was that? I never noticed that before. So I'm going to read a passage from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And he's talking here about uh, vessels, clay ones, fragile ones and the special um, treasure that these vessels hold. So I'm going to read it a couple of times. Actually, I lie. I'm going to read it three times. The first time, your, your brain will be going, bzz, bzz, bzz. I, I don't even know what she's saying. The second time, you'll probably just catch a glimpse of something that uh, requires your attention. When I read it the third time, look out for that bit. So you don't have to do anything other than listen with your heart. So just let your heart notice and hear what your heart needs to hear. And then I'll just guide you through a reflection like we did with the little piece of pottery. So here's the text. And just relax. You can close your eyes if you want to. Just let your heart do the work here. For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So just listen out. For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. When you hear the bit for you, just stay there and don't listen to anything else. For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So just, it might be nice to sit with your eyes closed for a moment and just stay with the bit that you heard. And just turn it over in your mind and heart. Like the pottery shard, look at it from different angles. What does this word, line or idea mean to you right now? And just staying in that quiet place. Now's an opportunity again in your heart just to respond to God there's something to say, take the chance to do it. Turn to Jesus now in your heart and talk to him. The last movement of this kind of prayer is just to rest for a minute. So again, just close your eyes, breathe. You don't have to think about the text right now. This is the moment for resting in God's love. This is where what you heard might begin to take root. And if you didn't hear anything, it doesn't matter you can still rest in God's love. And then when you're ready, you can come back to the room and come back to us. We're talking about the cup of our life. And the cup is a vessel. Um, We've got a collection here on the table at the front and on the sideboard of different earthenware vessels. You may have brought something of fine bone china or something of glass. It doesn't matter. They're all just vessels. And they're fragile. So we, as that reading said, are like fragile clay jars. Actually, we do know what it feels like to be pressed from every side. Some of us, I'm sure, know what it feels like to be perplexed, but that may not be the word we used for it. (laughs) We know what it is to be harried, to be hunted down by stress or grief or anxiety. There isn't one of us that hasn't been knocked over at some point. And that's what does the lasting damage to a fragile thing. That knock off the table, onto the floor, or out of someone's hand and sent flying, or jars just knocking against each other, bashing bits off each other as they're going along. However it happens, the chip or crack or the out-and-out smash is something that happens to fragile things. We use phrases like, I was shattered, or I fell to pieces. These metaphors are more than merely word pictures. It truly is how it is for us. And these pieces have somehow to come back together in order for us to function. A fragile thing can't help its fragility. The internal voice that says, I should be stronger, creates an artificial strength that's brittle and impervious. It's more of a defense system than anything really. And so this is where the wisdom of the Japanese art of kintsugi enters the scene. Kintsugi is the art of golden repair. It's a Japanese art form in which a broken or damaged vessel made of ceramic or glass or porcelain or pottery, all fragile, right? And even wood, which has its own form of weaknesses, These, when damaged, are repaired in a long and attentive and gentle process. Kintsugi dates from the 15th century, and the story goes that the shogun, Ashikaga Yoshimasa, was distressed by the breakage of his favourite Chinese porcelain tea bowl. Determined it should be repaired, he sent it back to China, where it was repaired with the only technique that the Chinese craftsmen had, and they did it to a high standard, but it involved drilling tiny holes in the porcelain and inserting little metal staples into it. When he received it back and unpacked it, he was horrified to see how ugly it looked and that it was, to all intents and purposes, useless. So it was held together by the staples but it wasn't watertight anymore. So he charged the Japanese craftsmen to come up with a better system than this one. And so over time, they developed a technique um, that would allow the cup to be used over and over again and still be beautiful. And they used the resin of the poison oak tree and they invented an adhesive that breathes And a lacquer that allows the vessel to return to service. And the finishing touch is a dusting of fine gold, silver, or platinum. And that allows the formerly disfiguring cracks to shine and be seen. Even missing pieces can be replaced with other contrasting pieces. Or when there's a a portion missing, the um, resin can be stretched across the gap. And the bowl will still hold. The great wonder of all this is that people found these broken cups and bowls so beautiful that it became a thing. It became a trend to buy really expensive porcelain teacups and break them on purpose so that they could be mended with this art form. And so the broken things became the most highly sought after by the collectors so they could have one of these damaged things of their own. It isn't an easy thing to look at the disfigurement or wound of our heart or body or mind and think that we could ever love that part. We often prefer to avert our eyes, to banish the thought of it, and somehow separate ourselves from the broken bit. God knows this, and God isn't squeamish which is good because I am squeamish and I don't like looking at those things. So the messy bits that I don't want to go near, God gathers them up and saves them for a time when I don't feel so raw. Even in the gathering of the pieces, God is already working towards our healing. Have you ever done that? Broken something and then crawled around on the floor, gathering up the pieces, saying to yourself, I can fix this, I can mend it, I just need to make sure I've got all the bits. Uh, the other side of that, of course, is that the, if we leave broken bits on the floor, other people can be harmed by them. Uh, you, we don't want people getting shards in their feet, so we gather up all the pieces also for the safety of others. However, I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm picking up all the pieces, I put them aside and I never get around to fixing them. God doesn't do that. The good thing is that when God gathers up all the bits, God's intention is fully to collaborate with us and to mend what was broken. If I do it, it can end up looking horrendous. When God does it, it usually turns out looking pretty good. And that's what we want. So let me unpack for you a little bit of what kintsugi involves. The broken pieces, just like the one you're holding, is cleaned so it doesn't have any bits of dust and whatnot on it or food or whatever so that it can be nicely put back together where it belongs so it's cleaned and then the person the craftsman needs to put Vaseline on themselves, a long sleeved shirt, sometimes protective glasses and certainly gloves because you are working with poison oak a powder made from that and you can get a bad reaction to it so you have to kind of protect yourself because we can get an allergic reaction to it So this arushi resin comes with its own risks. So fixing things comes with risk. I don't think God is allergic to fixing us, but I think sometimes we have a bit of an allergic reaction to God coming near to something that we don't feel that comfortable about yet. So we can sort of react and keep God at arm's length. So there is that for us too. We can resist and reject the action of the spirit towards our broken or damaged bit. But the process is so gentle. The resin, just using a little spatula I've got on the table, is gently spread on all the the pieces, all around the edges, and on the vessel where it belongs. And then that little piece is just wiggled into place. You know what it's like when something breaks and you just rub them together until they fall into that sweet spot? And you go, oh yeah, that's where it fits. Um, And so... The Kintsugi craftsperson does the same thing, just making sure it just fits in that right spot, the sweet spot. And then a little piece of tape is put on those pieces just to hold them together. No vices, no grippers, no nothing. It's just a little gentle piece of tape. And then the vessel is put in what's called a muro box, just and the vessel sits on some little wooden slats, and there's a piece of... Um, damp fabric in the bottom to keep the humidity nice for that resin. And the box is closed and then it's put away for 10 days. I've done this. It nearly killed me because I wanted to keep opening the box and see whether or not it had set and all that sort of stuff. But it's just left quietly in the dark for 10 days. This is a beautiful picture of when something needs healing. It's like Give it some time. Give it some quiet. Put the tape on. Leave it be. Let the process unfold. So after 10 days, when the resin has hardened, the box is open and the little vessel is taken out, the tape's taken off, and then any excess bits, you know when you squish something together and you get the the extra bits squared out the side? Well, it happens with this, but it hardens up, so you need to get a sharp uh, craft knife and just scrape off those bits that are sitting proud, the bits that are sitting up too high. So you scrape those off. And then the vessel is sanded um, with a P600 sandpaper. Who knows about sandpaper? Yeah, it's pretty fine, isn't it? It's a very fine sandpaper. And then, finally, they use a piece of magnolia charcoal um, and sand it back with that and all through that the craftsperson is just running their finger over that join just to see how it feels so it's not just "Mm, does that look right yeah close enough no it's done with a gentle stroke to see how is that is that sitting nice and smooth now it's very tactile very gentle again and again the craftsman strokes the vessel with his finger or her finger this can take several hours, actually. It's a very patient process. And if it's a crack being repaired, a fine brush is then used to apply a second layer of that sticky arushi resin onto the joints, keeping the lines as fine as possible because you don't want big, thick lines. It's like, that little crack is just fine, so we keep a nice little fine line of adhesive on there. And then he takes, I've got a piece over there, a little piece of um, silk wadding, And he dabs it, or she dabs it, into fine gold or silver or platinum powder and just dusts the join with this precious metal. And suddenly the dark and unattractive line glows with light and beauty. The ugly has become beautiful. Kintsugi is a join that breathes. It's natural, it's hygienic. And it makes the vessel just ever so slightly bigger. So after the break and repair, it can hold just a little bit more than it could before. And I love that. The vessel that was broken has more capacity now. The seams of gold tell the story of hurt and healing with honesty. There's no shame in Kintsugi. There's no pride either. It's just honest. For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is in the face of Jesus Christ. And we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Under your seat, you will find a board, a board, bundle of crayons a bit of paper there's also a candle you don't need that right now but don't lose it for those of you who freak out at the sight of crayons and a blank piece of paper I would like to reassure you that you do not need to be an artist and this is not school and nobody's going to be looking and it I'll talk you through it it will be fine don't panic Those of you listening on the podcast, now might be a good time to press pause, get yourself a piece of paper and some colouring instruments. Got all the bases covered here, people. Okay. This is the fun part. Well, for those of you who are terrified, it's not the fun part, but hey, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, so just roll with it. (laughs) So, just choose a colour, a cup-like colour, and just put a cup... On your page, so you know what a cup looks like or the cup that's in your imagination, the cup that kind of even maybe you brought along tonight. Just pop it on your page, do it your way. It can be a stick figure kind of a cup. Doesn't matter. No one else is going to be looking. It's your own. And just take a bit of time to make it look how you want it to look. Don't be frustrated. If it doesn't look like you wanted it to look, that's okay. And then just sort of throw some words around to describe this cup. What sort of cup is it? Is it a new one or an old one? How would you describe it? Just put those words around it. What sort of beverage does this cup hold? Who might drink from it? Just put all the angles. Is it clean or dirty? Just do it your way. Then I want to. I want you to grab a wise colour, a wise colour. Oh no, no, sorry. Dial back. Broken colour. Take a broken color and show the crack or chip or cracks and chips on this cup. Take a broken color and show where the cracks or chips are. And then add some words or shapes or color to indicate how it feels to see the crack or the chip. How does it feel to see those And just show it your way. It doesn't have to be words. Just do it how you want to. But yeah, notice how it feels to see those. Okay, now we're going to take a Jesus colour. If you're not comfortable with that or it doesn't feel quite right, take a loving colour. And what does love want to do to or with or for those cracks? Just put it on your page however you want to. Don't overthink it. What does love want to do for those chips and cracks? And just show it your way. And notice how it feels as you do that. Okay. And using your loving color, what does love or Jesus want this cup to know? What wisdom, what hopeful thing What loving thing? Just write it on your page. What does love want this cup to know? What does Jesus want this cup to know? All right, some of you are feverishly still going. Some of you are finished. So just a moment or two more. But yep, you might just like to sit there and if you're done, just let that soak in a little bit. There's no rush. Yeah, just take some time to revisit that process. Let that hopeful, loving statement sink in. In a few moments, we're going to have communion. Um, it's called different things in different church traditions. We're invited to come to the Lord's table. Uh, in some churches, they call it the Eucharist, which is really just Greek for thank you. Um, in fact, I was in Greece, and you go into to um, McDonald's, and on the, the little rubbish bin on its swing lid, is the same Greek word, ephkahisto. That's the word Eucharist in English and in Greek, ephkahisto. It's just thank you. And it's just on the bins, it's everywhere. I really liked that, that the, the simple thing that we're saying as we come to the table, in a sense, is thank you. As I was preparing for tonight, something occurred to me that I hadn't noticed before. I love kintsugi and actually there's a couple of vessels here that I have either repaired with the kintsugi technique or that are in process and you've been holding some of the shards of an earthenware jug of my dad's that I broke (laughs) and um, because the kintsugi thing is such a rich metaphor I'm not in a hurry to finish it because I'm enjoying working with the pieces in in groups just like this Um, but the bread for communion tonight is sitting in the broken but repaired bowl of my dad's jug. Vic, I think, is holding the handle. There are other bits scattered around the room because you've got them. Um, but something I hadn't really thought about before is that Jesus, too, was a fragile clay vessel just like us, and that He, in Himself, is the ultimate in Kintsugi because he was broken and then he was repaired. And his capacity for holding is so great that we are all in Christ. The, the Kintsugi repair, that like Jesus' scars are beautiful, and so are ours. And so I hope that as you come tonight to um, receive, and we're going to say the words to you, the body of Christ broken for you. And that as you take your piece of bread, you can say amen, or you can say thank you. And you're not saying thank you to me, you're saying thank you to the one who was broken and is now repaired, so that you can be repaired. And that with the cup, Calvin will have the cup, so we're going to um, suggest that that you come and you get the bread first from me, and then you go to Calvin and you dip the bread in the cup. If you have celiac uh, issues, we are um, set up for that, and also we have gluten-free bread, so just let us know as you come. However, I will say the body of Christ broken for you, and you can say amen or thank you. You take your bread to Calvin, and he will say, the life of Christ poured out for you. And then you dip, and you eat it, and you go back to your seat. How does that sound? Achievable? And we're, logistically, this is a small space. So what we're going to do is we're going to invite this group of people to come first, and then we'll just go row by row with you guys, if that's all right. Just so that we don't end up with too much of a log jam with candles and broken bits and all that sort of stuff. So does that sound safe? (laughs) So why don't you stand? Let's all stand together. This is my favourite queue in the world, really. I could stand in a communion queue forever, I think, and not really get antsy. So Calvin will have Shiraz in one hand, his left hand, what beautiful grape juice in the other so you choose and i will have bread and gluten-free bread so here we go